Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. A.J. Whitney was conference president of the Pilgrim Holiness Church of New York for several decades. This sermon was preached many years ago at the Allegheny Wesleyan Methodist Church ordination service and it's titled, Separated to the Ministry. I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful sermon. of scripture referring to the ministry and then take one of these verses for to base my remarks around 2 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 21 a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And then Paul's words to Agrippa, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. And then this couple of verses in which I wish to base my remarks around this morning, found in Psalms and 78, verses 70 and 7 through 72. He chose also, he chose David also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. This morning, I think that all of us that are ministers and uh, trust that those that are studying for the ministry might realize the high honor it is to be singled out by God and separated to the ministry. I like that word, separated to the ministry. This is not 
a side issue. This is the main issue. Separated to the gospel of Jesus Christ or the ministry. The ministry is more than a profession. It's more than a planned career. It's a calling, a high calling from God. The scripture says in John, it says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go forth and bring forth fruit. And friends, this morning, I, I feel the high, the high privilege uh, that in Paul, in speaking to, uh, in, the, in the word, in Ephesians, he said one must accept the calling in a complete humbleness of soul. Listen to what he said. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach. And friends, I thought of the Apostle Paul, though perhaps he was head and shoulders above his countrymen of that day, Yet he felt the high calling in a sense of humility. It was Gladstone that said, that English statesman, he said, if God ever calls you to preach the gospel of Christ, do not stoop to be a king. I have a little fun with my son. My son is the president of the credit union, the New York Credit Union has a number of men under his leadership and uh, a number of secretaries but he had one man in his uh, ranks working for him now I'm not sure how much money he got but I think he got in the neighborhood of $45,000 a year and this was a young man and he felt the call of God upon his heart. And uh, he was in touch with me, and I was giving him a little instruction what he ought to do. He ought to get prepared to go into the ministry. He felt God calling him. And the day came when he was, of course, he took a correspondence school, uh, course, I believe, from God's Bible school. And the day came when he said to me, Brother Whitney, he said, I feel God is leading me out in the ministry. I didn't know what to say to my son, only that, Charles, it looks to me as though you're going to lose one of your good men. And that young fellow, separated out for the gospel of Christ, left about a $45,000 church, or a business job and went in the ministry and received around $200 a week and you know that young man is giving himself completely to the ministry occasionally Charles will call upon him to come down and help him. he was an accountant there he'll come down and call upon him but listen friends this morning and I have carried this through my ministry. I've always felt that God called me to the ministry. God's able to take care of me. And you're separated unto the gospel or unto the ministry. 
Another young fellow in our conference went to one of the Bible schools. He was a roofer. And uh, when he got in the ministry, instead of keeping those sort of on the sideline, he, God said to him, get rid of them. Presently, he's in a home missionary field in Canada. His name is David Bubb. You can check this out if you want to. The home missionary work working uh, out of the, near the city of Ottawa, buses in uh, a number of men and women, boys and girls from the capital of Ottawa, or Canada, Ottawa. And anyway, he's great, great come from very, maybe about 20 up the last anniversary, they said he had 135. But he's constantly this, is what God has called me to do. And friends, I think this morning, if I can get nothing across to you but only this, if you're going into the ministry, make it the ministry your life's work. The permanency of this call, it's a life call. And it's a life's work. You know, God, the commission, we're commissioned to receive this commission from God, therefore, only God can take the commission away, at least the way I look at it. And friends, if God has called you into the ministry, then let's stay in the ministry. I don't know, I, maybe I shouldn't mention this, and yet I guess maybe I will. Sometimes I go to Hope Sound. And I don't know because I'm getting along to the retirement age, Brother Smoke. But anyway, I, I'm thinking of this. I go to Hope Sound sometimes and I see so many preachers that one day had a call of God that today, evidently, God has withdrawn the call. And I'm not going to say more than that, but it does disturb me some. But we find the leaders of our denomination and young people, the leaders of our denominations at times as you develop in your ministry and as you progress, you'll find the day will come when you'll become ordained. And I trust that you'll look forward to that. Men will put their hands upon your head and say, take thou the authority to preach the word of God, to administer the sacraments and, and perform all the duties of an ordained man. I trust that this means something to everyone that is ordained here this morning. My ordination meant something to me. When men laid their hands about, it was more of an outstanding thing when God laid his hand upon me and said, Son, I want you to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of the disciples. You remember how that, I think it's in, it's in the book of Acts, how they said that the Grecians, that they were sitting and being neglected in the daily ministration, and how that they singled out seven men full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. For the disciples said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, this morning I want you to notice that it says here 
that he chose David. He took him from the sheepfolds. I want you to note this morning the sovereignty of God. God is a God that is sovereign, and he has a right to choose. All classes and does choose from all classes of society. But when he does choose you or choose me to be one of his servants to carry the gospel, he has chosen us for a life's work. And I think of the uh, Jesus as he walked, and I've been thinking about this recently, that as Jesus walked by the seashore, and he saw James and John mending the nets, their father, and he said, come, follow me. It seems there was no hesitation as far as the scriptures show us. They left all to follow because Jesus chose them. I think of that in Jesus it seems took all classes of people. He reached and got a hold of Matthew, a tax collector. And I don't know this morning if I were to go down through here and say, what is your background? Some of you preachers that are here this morning. God reached down and was so, so vivid in my own experience. When God put his hand upon me, I can tell you where I was and what I was doing when I felt it was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Saul of Tarsus, God laid his hand upon Saul of Tarsus. A man, again I say, that was head and shoulders above his countrymen. A man that was versed in Old Testament scriptures, and yet God laid his hand upon him. And he says he was a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared to every good work, and that he was going to send Paul as an, an apostle to the Gentiles. And friends, this morning, now, I think not only of Saul of Tarsus, but I think in the scriptures, you read in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, and you find something like this, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying of the body of Christ. And God, beloved, has, has, has that somehow chosen people I read this morning over in the book of, uh, is it Numbers? No, Chronicles. I got Chronicles. How that when Solomon was building the temple, how that he sent up to the king of Tyre, and how that he sent down men that were, that were talented, men that, that would handle gold and brass and silver and tin and iron for the building of the temple. And God, beloved, is using all manner of people this morning, saved and sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. What for? To build up his kingdom. He reaches into this class of people, into this class of people, and lifts them up and uses them and calls them to go with him. Now, I think in the scriptures, 
We have some very, some very outstanding calls. I think, I think of David. I think of how that uh, Samuel, when he anointed David, it was very a spectacular thing. And I'm not going into that. You know about it. But anyway, I wanted to say this: that, that Samuel looked them all over, and he thought, "My, this first one, he was a real rugged chap, and he'd make a wonderful king." I suppose to put him up beside of Saul would have been, though Saul was a big man, yet I suppose that David's brother, his oldest brother, was quite a, a specimen of a man. But God said, he's not the man. And you know how that he chose of the whole six past before. Is there not another one? God hasn't put his approval upon one of the sons of Jesse, but there's one yet, and there's a little stripling of a lad out in the, out in the pasture land, Tending sheep, go send and get him. And it was an outstanding thing when finally that Samuel poured the oil upon David uh, for to be to be king. Now there's some difference, of course, between a king and but anyway, God did choose them. And I thought, you know, of Saul, of Tarsus, became Paul the apostle. And I thought, oh, what an outstanding call Paul had. God has seen had to knock him into the ground and how that he was he was a vessel that was uh, for the, the use of the ministry and he made it so clear to him. You might say, Brother Whitney and I, you know one thing I think that we as ministers ought to know above all things? And that is that God has called us to the ministry. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if, if you're preaching the gospel, you ought to know you've got a call. And one man said, if you don't have a call, don't preach. I don't know as I say that because sometimes we get kind of need some feelings and so forth. But anyway, friends, there's a, there's a call, beloved, that comes to us. that, And I, I think this call is, is something that we ought to know for sure that, thank God, God is calling me to the work of God. I think of Jesus as he stood there and looked at Peter. You remember in the 21st chapter of the book of John how that he said to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Peter said, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And I'm not going through all of it. He said, feed my sheep. You know, a lot of times a tendency in the ministry is perhaps... To collect the wool, so to speak, and collect the meat. But Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. One man said, of the only weapon that you have is a hammer, all of your problems will be a nail. I don't know. We need to feed. We need to feed our sheep. Praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know, and I'm not reflecting on our preachers in New York, but sometimes, you know, uh, we can be a little rough sometimes with people. You say you're a compromiser, I suppose. No, but sometimes I think they need to pour in a little oil, Brother Derby. I don't know that you have any men like that or not. Maybe you don't pour in oil, but I, I never heard you preach. But anyway, I think that God ought to help us for feed, feed my sheep. That's the responsibility. Paul said to the Galatians, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace 
to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, but he said I went into Arabia. And after three years I went up to Jerusalem. And oh, friends, there was the awareness of the divine sanction on Paul's heart that God has laid his hand upon me and God has called me into the ministry. Again, I say no fact to the minister, a minister should be more sure than his call. There's an inward persuasion. I believe in a call that we're persuaded in our heart, I must go to heaven. By the way of the pulpit. Now, you can accept that or not, but I, I feel that way. I must go to heaven by the way of the pulpit. Amen. 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 There's, the inward, there's the inward persuasion. God placed in the minister's hand a scepter of the kingdom. Jesus said to his disciples, I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Oh, what a responsibility. He chose, now notice, he chose David. He took him from the sheepfold. From following the ewes, great with young. And he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. You know, God has never been ashamed of those men that he's called. He's reached down into the lowest, it seems, down among the lowest, among the low. And lifted them up and saved them and sanctified them and placed them into the ministry to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has ever been ashamed. He wasn't ashamed because David was, oh, to be his man there in Israel. And uh, David was a faithful, David was a faithful shepherd. He said that the sheep were great with lamb. And you know, friends, that's a sign of good fodder. That's a sign of good feed. David took care of his sheep. When the lion came, he protected them. When the bear came, he protected them. He gave God the credit for him, but brother, he, he took care. He took care of him. And God calls men, friends, with energy and drive and concern and determination. I'm going with God. I want to see his cause go forth. But there's an inner consciousness that I have a divine mandate to preach the gospel. And there's a feeling, woe is me if I preach not the, the gospel. Do you know, friends, a thing that holds you steady in the time? What held Paul steady? The love of God constraineth me. And that inner persuasion that one day God called me, I've been able to lean upon it many times, many times in the ministry. You know, at one time I, my, when my father died, and uh, my father-in-law was never a Christian, neither was my father to my knowledge. When my father passed away at an early age, 53, 54 years old, my mother was left with a farm. My oldest brother trying to farm it. He didn't have strength in his hands enough to milk a cow. 
He, uh, I see him one day trying to lift a log. He couldn't take a hold of a log and lift it up like I would lift it. Have to take him, clamp his hands around it. I see him the skin, just take the skin off his wrist by lifting. He was an, a, not an invalid, but nearly an invalid. Here he was trying to run the farm after dad died. I went down to my father-in-law's one time. Being on a hard scrapple circuit, you know what that is? Being on a hard scrapple circuit, we used to like to go down and get a good meal once in a while. I don't mean my wife wasn't a good cook, but anyway, we didn't have a lot of things to cook. But anyway, we went down, you know, and we were visiting, and we were about ready to go home, and Dad, he flew off the handle. He said, why don't you get over there and help your mother, he said, like you ought to, instead of up there on that charge, starving to death. Of course, it cut way down deep, way down deep, my father-in-law. My wife and I, we never said a thing. We got in the car, went home, wept on our way. But what held us steady? We knew that one day God called us in the ministry. My wife had... Already she had been accepted in the art only out of normal school. Was going to be a school teacher. But God said, I don't want you there. I want you to go to Bible school. And we knew that God had called us. We went home, of course, disappointed. But friends, when down in your heart, you know it holds you steady. Next time, I, we never said enough that never, something never came up again. But you know, God so worked that out that God placed me in the eyes of my father-in-law. When he'd have something to do on the farm, he'd say to his, his wife, he'd say, Why, Evelina, just wait till Andrew comes down. He'll help me. He had some, cut the horns off of the cattle one day. He has a brother, his son lives right next door. Why can't he do it? He's older than I am. No, wait till Andrew comes down. When I go down, he would talk, you know, oh, he became buddy-buddy. But it was because I believe, friends, there was something that held me steady and true to God, even in the times of trial and test. And you're going to hit them out there, young people. You go in the ministry, it isn't all roses. One man said to me one time, I wish I was a minister. Why they go around to seminars and, and they go hither and yon to camp meeting and so forth. And I wish I was a minister. I felt like saying, boy, I'd like to have you follow me just a little while. <laughs> but there's that inner consciousness and friends, oh, the thing that concerns are the wayside of the ministerial role. Those that have fallen out into other professions, Many of them have been filled by ex-ministers. Help us, Lord. Now, God said here in this scripture, and I'm not going to deal with this this morning, but there, there is here in this scripture, he said, Feed my feed Jacob his people. And I believe this deals with the physical Israel, the seed of Abraham. And he said, Israel, my inheritance. 
And I believe that's dealing with the spiritual side. And we as ministers have to deal with the physical side as well as the spiritual side. Praise the Lord. Oh, friends, this morning that God might help us to see that we have a job to do. Amen. Was it, well, I think it was Bishop Simpson that says that when an intimate preacher is needed, the Lord first calls some praying mother, some Hannah. I heard Brother, on a tape, Brother Yoakum, maybe you've heard him, tell about how that he was an answer to prayer. His mother prayed and said, Oh God, if you'll give me twins, I'll give them both to you. It wasn't long until Brother Yoko's mother found that she was with child and twins were born. She said further, if you give me twins, I'll do all I can to educate them and fit them for the ministry. Brother Yoakum, you know Brother Yoakum, of course, his sister also, I believe his sister was also a preacher's wife in the ministry. And she sent those children to school and educated them in the Bible school and got them ready for the ministry. You know, friends, this morning, oh, some of you look down, they frown upon the ministry. Oh, I don't want my son to be a minister. That's right. But again, Gladstone said, if God ever calls you to be a minister, don't stoop to be a king. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And he led them to be a successful. You know, some people, some, some, uh, Preachers, I kind of think, sometimes our mother called or, and father sent. <laughs> you say, Brother Whitney, you're judging. Help us, Lord. <laughs> but anyway, friends, this morning, God's able to lead and help us in every area. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now notice that I must hasten. I'm going to take more time than what I thought. And he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. And this speaks about the inner life. Integrity. Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Integrity, the dictionary says, the uprighteous, the unrighteous, or character, the uprightness or character and soundness of moral principles. Thank God, integrity. God wants every one of us to be a man or a woman of integrity, free from moral delinquencies. A life beyond reproach. What you are will speak a lot louder than what you say. We might not be able to say a lot of flowery things, but brother, we can live to be what God wants us to be without reproach. 
Paul said to the church of Thessalonica, For ye know what manner of men we were among you. Elisha's desire was, as he walked with Elijah, was, Elijah, Elisha, do you have one request? What is it? That I might have a double portion of your spirit. Yeah. Spirituality is an absolute requirement in, Christ, in the Christian ministry. You know, spirituality is an object of God's search. It says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself mighty or great in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, but you know, in looking for, a, for a spiritual Spiritual churches are looking for spiritual men. Maybe you read this. I read it someplace. There was a church that was looking for a pastor. And the church board got together and someone had been recommended. A man had been recommended to them. And here comes the recommendation to the board. He said he's, he's educated. He's got a number of degrees behind his name. He's, uh, he's good for the youth. He has a pleasing personality. And he really has energy. One man spoke up on the board. And he said, is he spiritual? And this should be the first question. Yeah. Yeah. Is he spiritual? Where does he stand on some of the issues of our day? Where is he standing? Is he straddling the proverbial fence? Drop off on either side? No. Integrity of heart calls for spirituality. Thank God. Maintain a sterling character. Take heed, Paul says, unto thyself. Minister must be a person of unquestioned moral integrity or disqualify himself for the minister. We're living in a day, and I don't know how you feel. I don't want to get into politics. But you know, I understand that Nixon made a statement that the only man that can win with the elect with the on the Democratic side, one man that can win. I on the way it came to me, now it might not it might be twisted, would be who was that man saying? Ted Kennedy. Yeah, Ted Kennedy. And you know, I don't know, I kind of wish he'd run. I think they'd, they'd dig up some more on him. <laughs> they'd dig up about, every, about everything when a fellow starts to run for office. They'd dig up. They, I don't think they've gone into the depths with Ted Kennedy yet. If you're a Democrat, you forgive me, please. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> and, but anyway, there's another man with a heart. And you know, I thank God, I really thank God that he's not running good in the, in the 
caucuses. It shows that there are still a few men and women in America that stand, beloved, for morality. Amen. That's right. Amen. And you know, friends, the thing that breaks my heart is, and they're nothing of our church, they don't belong to our church, but when you hear about the things we've heard about men of late, swagger, Jimmy Swagger and Jimmy and what's the other one's name? Tammy. Brother, it breaks my heart. Why? It's the ministry. And there should be, beloved, a sterile, there should be a character that's unpassionate. Help us, Jesus. And thank God every last one of us can defend our character. When you can't, you need to get out of the ministry. Brother, integrity speaks of loyalty. Loyalty is one of the choices of Christians' graces. Loyalty to Christ. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, says the apostle. Loyalty to the truth of the Bible. Reading, I believe it was, in the book, in the battle, the book, the battle for the Bible. The school out west was contending for the inerrancy of the word. And the founder's son was the one that started it down, down the pipe. That's right. But loyalty to the word, loyalty to the position that your church and conference stands on different issues. Why, brother, sister? I'm not looking to join the Allegheny Conference. But if I was, you believe that a man ought to wear a green tie. I'd wear it or I'd get out. Brother, this loyalty, brother, there's a loyalty to my church, a loyalty to my conference. And friends, once one man said in the book of Faithful Minister by Ernest S. Williams said, Never seek to undermine the truth which your church stands for. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Integrity is much. Going on. I'm not going to get into this this morning on ethics. But anyway, there's much that can be said on ethics. Brother... <clears throat> Ethics involves the Christian believer. It involves the biblical concept of right and wrong. I'll notice in closing, and that sound good? The guide to guide and guide them with the skillfulness of his hands. Oh, I like that. A skillful worker. Is a skillful is a skillful man, workman. In one is one who has thoroughly learned his trade. He's skillful. Solomon, brothers, in his day, you know how he sent around. We mentioned it once before, but he he sent around got men that were skilled in certain areas to build the temple. 
Some men have more talent than others. I, I don't play any instrument. I don't envy anybody, but if I was going to play one, I'd like to play like some do play. They don't have to look at the music. I just massage the keys. But they have such talent. Some have talent in preaching. When I was in Bible school, they used to send me out with a truck, and I was a truck driver. The little, uh, was what, the big truck? It was a little, a little truck that he took around to pick up groceries from the different churches, but they sent a fellow around whether he could preach like a house of fire. He was brought up in a Christian home, and I was brought up as hot and taut in Africa almost. I would sit there and listen to him preach. Talented. But oh, there are those that have talent to preach. I've seen some that play the piano. I've, we had one in our camp one time. Played the piano. It was no effort, hardly, or the organ. No, no effort, hardly at all. I thought to myself, oh, if that girl just doesn't throw away her talent. But I was preaching to you this morning. That girl is out in sin, away from God, and sets talent. <coughs> but he, he guided them with the skillfulness of his hand. A call to preach is a call to prepare. Yes. Amen. Amen. You remember how that when David stood before Saul and Herod over here was Goliath on the other hill? Saul, I suppose, sort of trembling, tried to put his armor upon David and put it on and David, what? I haven't, I haven't proved this armor. I wouldn't be skillful in this. Brother, when he finally got the armor off and he put on what? He took his little sling and he started, brother, toward the giant, one that he had what? He had proven it. He was skillful in it. This wasn't the first battle that he'd had. And friends, this morning, listen, if God has called you to the ministry, he has called you to prepare. We're living in a different age. We're preaching today to college people. Many of them college people. Gone to college. Back in our conference, and I suppose you had them here in your conference. But anyway, in our conference, some of the most successful men back in yesteryears were men that didn't have any Bible school at all. But they lived in a different day. They applied themselves. And yet there was something about those men. They had such an anointing. Such a moving of God upon their ministry. It seemed that their message was freighted with, with power. God was moving. And education is a wonderful thing. But if you develop in knowledge and don't develop in grace, it can become dangerous. I might say this this morning, I throw out, I throw out to you a warning. If you get education, get grace with it. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord. 
And sometimes, you know, the enemy will reach down even when in Bible school and say, why, why toil here any longer in Bible school? He did that to me. I did graduate from Bible school, believe it or not. <clears throat> but you know, my last year in school, I had only three years in Allentown Bible Institute, Bible College. But after the first, the second year, Brother Faye came to me and said, Brother Whitney, would you take a church? My wife had already graduated from school. We were engaged to be married. By the way, we didn't get married until I got out of school. <laughs> I might not get a chance to put that in, so I'm going to just say that. And she didn't, brother, uh, get, we didn't get married, and she put me through school. But anyway, we had, we were engaged. I could have taken a church, and I almost did take a church. But I felt, no, I need to get my education. Amen. He guided them with the skillfulness of his hand. And you know, the devil will come around and say, come on, get out of school, here's a church. And afterwards, you'll wish, oh, down in the years ahead, you'll say, oh, I wish I'd gone on and got my diploma. I wish I had graduated. I look back now. I was going through high school. They were giving that subject on shorthand. I think that's what, I know that's what they called it then, shorthand. And anyway, I, I started to take it. Being on the farm, I had so much to do, I didn't, I didn't feel I could handle short, the shorthand and graduate. And so I didn't take it, but I have always regretted it. I've had occasion where I could take, if I could only take shorthand, I can write now, I write so slow and I write so poor. I wish I had shorthand. But thank God I did go on until I graduated. Young people stick to it. Amen. Amen. You need to be skillful in guiding. A workman knows, beloved, the importance of keeping the tools in good, sharp, with a good, sharp edge. I hunt. You know when I begin to cut up that deer, you know what I do? I go out and take those knives and I run them across the iron and I get them all dull. No. I get out the old whetstone or the sharpening knife and I sharpen them. Until their edge is just as sharp. And sometimes when you cut yourself, you wish it wasn't quite so sharp. But I sharpen about three or four of them, lay them down there on the table, pick up one till it gets a little dull, maybe use it to get a little, then throw it down and pick up another one. Why? It's so much easier to cut the meat. When I was on the farm, I used to cut grass with a scythe. I've seen men that don't know how to use the side, they'll whack away at it, whack away at it. If you've got a good sharp side, it's very easy to use a side.
and friends with good sharp tools in the ministry, so to speak, it gives you a cutting edge. And I don't mean that wrongfully. The Word of God will be quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword and so forth. But He guided them, He guided them with the skillfulness of His hand. Oh, you know, one has said it will be in vain. Spurgeon said this, it will be in vain for me to stock my library or organize societies if I neglect the culture of myself. Hallelujah. Oh, take heed unto thyself. And you know the call to preach is a call to pray. I was reading one place where they took a survey of 500 theological students and only 7% had a devotional life. And that means that 93% of the ministers are destined to a prayerless ministry. Getting the job done. Help us, Lord. Brother Fay, one time, our conference superintendent, he went to one of our pastors. They were going to go fishing. He said to this pastor, he got there in the morning. The pastor said to him, Brother Fay, I can't go yet. I haven't prayed to satisfy myself yet. I haven't seen to pray like I should pray, and I must do it before I go fishing. Well, Brother Whitney, there's a time to pray. Yeah, I know. But when God lays his hand upon, this same man told me, he said, Brother Whitney, I have probably, and he wasn't bragging. If I tell you who his name, you'd say he's a very humble man. One of our, one of our pastors. He said, I have, I, I have about 12 books that I'm reading. I'll read one for a little, and I'll catch another one, another one, another Now, I don't say you have to do that. But friends, we must keep abreast. We must pray. We must read. We must study. We must keep abreast with the day we're living in. That we might guide our people skillfully. Amen. Help us, Jesus. Amen. Oh, blessed be God. Not only was there that David guided by the skillful of his hands, but David was a man of faith. And I, I like this. I like this about David. When David came to, to Saul, and Goliath was out there defying the armies of Israel, and when David went up that mountainside, and I don't know, one person, one man said that they teach you in school that if you're going to be a preacher, you've got to have some kind of an imagination. I don't know. I think we do use imagination. But you know, I've thought about Goliath. Did you ever think about that stone that hit him in the forehead? <laughs> you wondered how... It happened. 
Could you use your imagination? I don't think you can prove me wrong. I'm not saying things so you can prove. But I kind of wonder if Goliath didn't have his helmet off. <laughs> oh, you say, now you're teaching heresy. But you know the word does say that he had a shield and a sword. And when he saw David coming, the word does say that he was disdained. Why, that little stripling of a fella, I would have been grabbing his old hammer and throwing it on the ground. Now, don't say Brother Whitney said he did. I say, I wonder. <laughs> My imagination. But Brother David had such faith in God why, you come to me in the name of your gods? But you're defying the God of Israel. The armies of the God of Israel. And I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. Hallelujah. He had faith. And friends, though the and then I say, friends, to you this morning that thank God the battle isn't ours, the battle is the Lord, and without faith, many times you'll find that you won't make it through. Hallelujah. Oh, David could have said, I don't have a record as a great warrior now. When he came against Goliath, but I do have a record in God's book that I've got faith. For he said to Saul when the bear came out, God help me to kill the bear. When the lion came out, God help me to kill, and he'll help me to kill this uncircumcised Philistine. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Battle is the Lord's. He gives God the credit. And friends, this morning, listen, preachers, young people, don't take the credit to yourself. It all belongs to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My text again was, he chose David. Also his servant took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, great with young. He brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. I don't want to lose the fight. I don't want to lose the fight.